Okay. Okay, what we're learning now is the Sicha of Likuta Sichas chapter 20, the Sicha of Bereshis, the first Sicha. Whenever we come to Bereshis, I think to myself, um, you know, we're beginning again. When I was a kid, there was a nursery rhyme. Mr. Finnegan, and Mr. Finnegan had to begin again. You remember that? Mr. Finnegan, begin again. Yeah, so we begin again. Bereshis bought in the kids, really. It's British, Australian. So we begin again. Sikha says, and it's a very, very pertinent Sikha to our times. We're, we're having this class in October um, 12th, 2023. This may be watched one day years from now. And this is a, the end of the fifth day of a week, which started off sixth day, which started off on Shabbos, Shmini Atzeres, in Israel, Simchas proper, where terrorists, barbarians, evil people came and massacred well over a thousand Jews in just a few hours. And their stated claim is to drive the Jews out of Israel and to kill Jews. So it's important that we go back. It's Ashkach is divine providence. What we're going to be studying now is the original and authentic and really only claim that we have to the Holy Land of Israel. And this claim is that the beginning Hashem created heaven and earth. Rashi brings the saying of Rabbi Yitzchak. Rabbi Yitzchak said, Really, the Torah shouldn't have begun from the story of creation, but rather, the Torah would have started from the first mitzvah. first mitzvah is, you shall sanctify this month and make the month of Nisan the first month. And then it goes into the laws of Karban Pesach, the Paschal offering. Those That's the first mitzvah. <laughs> and that mitzvah was the introduction into subsequent revelation at Sinai. Why does the Torah start? Why does the Torah start with the story of creation of heaven and earth? And the answer is, Hashem wanted to... Um, Hashem spoke about the strength of his deeds. In other words, he um, shares the story of his deeds, his handiwork in creation, to give them the inheritance of the nations. And Rashi explains that according to this, we take off the question that the nations of the world may have. And that complaint is, list him at him, you are bandits or robbers. Shekavashtem arzot shiva goyim that when initially you took Israel 3,300 years ago, at the end of 40 years in the desert, you conquered it from original owners, the seven nations. And then the response of the Jewish people is, they respond, hello. The entire earth belongs to God. He created it. When he gave it to whom he thought is fitting in his eyes, for a while he temporarily gave it. He always intended to give it to the Jewish people. In the beginning, though, he temporarily gave it to the seven nations. And then when the time came, he said, the Jewish people need to go in there. So just the, 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 the concept here is a very, very simple one. <laughs> And it's 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 a it's it's strange that um, 
Nobody ever tells any other nation, you are bandits. Nobody tells the American people that they stole the land from the Indians. Nobody tells the Australian people they stole the land from the Aborigines. And, and so on, all the other nations, uh, the colonial uh, British, nobody ever, you know. All these nations, the war, the, the, the rule of how you do war and how you conquer countries and how you annex territories and how you colonize, nobody ever had any complaint. But when it comes to Jews, they'll always be examined with a magnifying glass and a different standard is applied to them and say so they will come. Rabbi Yitzchak is foretelling. The non-Jews will come and say, you guys are thieves. You took it from the seven nations. And the answer is... You have to ask the original owner. If you really want to go back to to the... Uh, you want to know who has the right to Israel, go and ask the Creator, because it belonged to Him. And Hashem, the maker of heaven and earth, the maker of Israel, that handed it over to the people and children of Israel. And that is our claim to the Holy Land of Israel. The Rebbe said many times, if we would but only say that the way it is, Everybody would understand. At least they would understand we have no room for negotiation. If it's because of the Balfour Declaration or the all of the other various, the UN resolution to allow Israel to be in Israel. So all of those things, they were negotiated by men. They can be unnegotiated. And other nations come and say, we're also refugees. We want a country. We want space. So really, and as we've seen, they think that if they really harass us and butcher us enough, God forbid, we'll relinquish. But if we, if they understand that we believe it's ours, we know it's ours, and we believe that God said it's ours, it's a religious belief that we have. So this is just the way it is. It'll be, uh, it, it sounds old-fashioned, but it's the truth. Okay, so now from the expression, from the fact that the language here is that the Torah didn't have to start from this point. Why did it start with Bereshis? That sounds like it's not that we're saying the Torah didn't have to have a a, a, a recital or, or, or a telling of the story, a recounting of creation. See, the Samed Rashim says the Torah didn't have to write about creation. Why does it write about creation? And that would be also a valid question. There are Midrashim that say that. The valid question is, Torah is not a history book. It's not a, uh, what is it called? Geographical science? Uh, National Geographic. It's, it's, it's a book of, of mitzvahs. So you don't have to write about creation of heaven and earth in the Torah. That's what some Midrashim, some Midrashim place it. Put the question that way. That's true. That's a question. But here Rashi doesn't bring it in that way. Rashi says the Torah didn't have to start with this, with this uh, recounting. In other words, we understand that Hashem wants to give us the origin. But it start with the mitzvahs and then say, by the way, this world comes into being through Hashem. Now, since, however, the answer is that if the nations say you were thieves. So therefore, what comes out is that in order to negate their complaint or their claim that you are thieves, it's not enough to talk about creation later on in the Torah. Somehow, the first thing of the Torah needs to be creation. 
In other words, even if creation would be talked about after the mitzvah, the first mitzvah, it wouldn't answer the claim that the nations have, you are thieves. Now, why not? If 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 creation explains that Hashem is the owner, that's enough to take off any claim to Israel other than ours. We say he's the creator, he gave it to us. What's the difference where in the Torah it's positioned? Why does this require that the Torah place it? It seems to be that the answer that, that, that we're saying, that because the Torah places it at the beginning, that's why it answers the question that the nations have, or the, the claim the nations have, or the, or the more than claim, or the, uh, the uh, complaint, objection. Uh, objection that they have, protestation that it belongs to us. And somehow, the fact that the first thing of the Torah is creation, that answers the question. And if the third thing in the Torah be creation, it wouldn't answer the question. Why Why? Why do we need, to, why, why does it seem that it needs to be the first thing in order to give us this, um, this, this lesson? Two, paragraph two. Go ahead. You gotta be aware that this position may not be found particularly binding by other by other people who feel they're entitled to the flag. Okay. You know, I mean, it's kind of a Judeocentric. Uh, Judeocentric uh, claim, a million percent, except that every except that everybody believes in the Bible. And the people that are fighting us about Israel are Bible believers. So we may as well say... Not, not, not the Christians. Oh, they're Bible believers, of course. Not, the Muslims are Muslims. Muslims are Muslims. Muslims are Christians. Both they have, faith they have their own the version. They say, okay. uh, this version is... Of course they are. Not, not, I don't know that much about it, but I heard. I couldn't figure out why. I don't know what version they have. They have a version that says... That, uh, I guess Ishmael was the chosen one. Uh, but I can, uh, oh, maybe they have a Ishmael instead of Yitzchak. Okay, I'm curious. Also. But 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 exactly this is the point. If the Ishmaelites and if the Christians have a different version of their Bible, they're still coming with a stronger claim. They're coming with Bible. What are we coming with a diplomatic declaration in 1948? But they don't deny that part of the Bible. But what I'm saying, all I'm saying is to counter, to counter that the, after the end, even even those that live in Israel that don't claim to be religious, ask any Israeli why in the world can can Israel not move to a to a peaceful place, someplace in Canada? There's a lot of empty territory in Canada. Why are you living in Israel? Why Israel? Oh, Canada may have been. <laughs> no, there was a movement to try and give us parts of Canada. The answer is, you know, is any Israeli that today lives in Israel is because deep down we know it's ours. We can't we can't exchange it for another country. No other country is ours. And Hashem gave it to us. And third party historical record outside of the I have another question. Why are we arguing why the this the Torah starts with the beginning? Because the beginning is the beginning. So why, ah, why is that an argument? The question it's not an argument. Rashi asks the question because the Torah is assumed not to be a book of history. Torah is by very definition a Torah milashon It's a book of teaching. The important part of Torah is the mitzvahs. Wouldn't everybody? The initial thing everybody would want to know. How did this all come about? Where did it come you, from? you can fill that in later. 
when you walk into a driving class, you're gonna, let's say you're going to teach somebody how to drive a car, you don't have to tell them the history of, uh, of, uh, of Ford. And, and then you can give it to them at some stage how the first how the first car started. First, tell them you turn on the ignition and you put on your blinker before you turn left. Put on the other blinker before you turn right. So this is so you're right. It's a good question. The whole thing is built on the fact that we understand the agenda of the Torah is teaching us how to live, and that's why. But the answer that we're going to give in this sikh based on that, it should have started with where God says, this is your territory. <laughs> because Just because God made the world doesn't mean he gave it to us. So you have to... It's so interesting. Actually, all the history, it does say Hashem created heaven and earth, and then the rest of the, of the, of the narrative starts to talk about Hashem giving Abraham the promise. And it speaks about... Um, but that's still all before the first mitzvah of this month shall be a month for you. Paragraph two. We also have to understand, since the Torah didn't have to start writing the Torah, but from the first mitzvah, in other words, the Torah itself as a book of instruction needed to be really not from Bereshis, but rather from the first mitzvah, especially the language Rabbi Yitzchak, who asked the question, uses is it shouldn't have started or it shouldn't have written the story of creation. It should have only started from. In other words, it's not just a preference. It's, this shouldn't have been, it sh but it should have been this way. That's all. That's In other words, it's a definitive statement. So how is it that why does Hashem change his mind on how to write the Torah? I had a plan, the way really the Torah should be written this way. Because a couple of Shmagagis are going to come one day and say the Jewish people are, are thieves. That's why Hashem is going to change the way he writes the Torah. Come on. Are we that flimsy? That are we that open to criticism? Because we're 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 projecting that somebody's going to say, You guys are thieves. So Hashem changes what he says the order of the Torah really should be. More than that. If so, it would be enough when. This answer is just a, a oral answer. How much of the Torah is oral? So much of the Torah is oral. This could have been just an oral argument. Like we find that the Gemara relates the following. There's a fellow called Giviha, the son of Pesisa. And he met up with the children of the, the African nation. They said, the African said, Israel's ours. And what did he say? He gave other answers. He gave another oral explanation, which is not spoken about explicitly in Torah. Similarly, the children of Ishmael came and claimed it. And also, they gave a different answer. So there are other answers traditionally handed down. Why does this answer have to be written in? So obviously, the writing of this answer in the Torah is not just re relevant to have an answer for outsiders. If it's in our Torah, there must also be a inner layer where this is an instruction for us about how we have to live our lives. And this way we'll also understand what Rabbi Yitzchak is saying. It says, Hashem taught creation to his people to give them the nation, to give them the inheritance of the nation. It's not said, that Pesach is not said as an answer to 
other nations. The fact that Hashem taught creation, this is relevant to the Jews themselves. So that the Jews shouldn't think that they are occupiers of a land that belongs to seven nations, and that they are robbers. So that's why, <coughs> in other words, there's something else here. It's not just what we tell them. It's what do we tell us. And this this possibly is um, this this is possibly in our times the most important thing over here. tells us, you know, some people walk around feeling, especially there's a lot of be very careful today. There's a lot of disinformation going around and a lot of messaging. And there are Jews. I have a Jew who uh, wrote to me. Well, he told me he's a he's an Israel loather. Well, he, well, he writes to me. <laughs> You know, many Jews that don't believe us, we should be in Israel. Not many, but there are some. So this this messaging is for us, and then and then we have the strength to be able to repel, and to be able to be uh, convinced, to be able to be, um, um, you know, to be able to 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 not convinced. There's another word I'm using. Fortified, committed, fortified about our being in the land. But now let's understand what message does this have for us on a deeper level. And that's where the Sikh is. This was the, the first part I, I, you know, I emphasized the nationalistic aspect. Nationalistic as, as the Jewish the chosen people in the chosen land, in the promised land. Nothing to do with, with, uh, with a uh, nothing to do with, with, with a state per se. But to do with the fact that it's a holy land is given to the holy people. Um, however, now let's talk about the inner meaning. That's going to be, especially, it's going to be for all of us, very meaningful. Paragraph three. Let's understand first the inner explanation to this from the third Rebbe, the Tzamech Tzedek. He says, what does it mean that you have conquered seven, the land of the seven nations? It means spiritually that conquering spiritually means to harness in the lands and the things that earth has, the earthliness, the earthly things, the, um, the permissible things that are not instruction, that are not mitzvahs, and to do them for the sake of heaven. Make them not just generic or goyish, something that just belongs to any of the nations, or not even have them remain mundane, but make them into holiness, into things that can be holy objects, to the extent that some things become the holy of holies. In other words, what we engage in, in life, very much, so we have the things that are mitzvahs. Shem tells us to take an esrik and make a bracha. That's a mitzvah. Then we have the things that are vachedik, that are weekday, eating pizza. Is eating pizza holy? You can make it holy. So comes along the goyim, come along, in other words, the generic, the, 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 the energy of the world that represents non-holiness says, hey, don't steal my pizza and try and make a, a Torah class around it and turn it into something you know, a little bit elevated. Leave the pizza for for dominoes. Leave the pizza for for pressing for you know for just for for using in a mundane way. Don't 
you're you're thieves. You're taking materialism and conquering it, taking it captive to your nefarious holy things. Of course, we say to our not nefarious, but to our very exalted holy things. But they say it's not yours. You you want to take the Torah books. You want to take. You want to take an hour in the morning. You you want to do holy stuff. That's okay. The holiness is holiness, but don't take the 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 generic stuff and try and turn it holiness. It doesn't belong to you. About this, that the non the, the nations of the world, in other words, the genericness of the world, the mundaneness of the world, says to the Jews who are trying to make it holy, is you guys are bandits. So about this, the nations say it belongs to us. Just like it says that Yaakov and Esau divided the two worlds. Yaakov said, uh, I'm going to take the world to come, spirituality. And Esau said, I'm, I'm very happy with this material world. I mean, you see it happening in the very beginning. Esau sells his, his, his eternal birthright for something very earthly, for a pot of chalant, for a pot of the, uh, red lentils. So, of... <laughs> Okay, but well now this is it's a different discussion. But I hear it was different. And therefore, according to the nations of the world, when we come and we try and conquer and expand the boundaries of holiness, stealing, you're taking mundaneness, not yours, turning it into holiness. About that comes the answer, Bernatius Bodily Kim, guys. Who created the pizza, my friends? Hashem created everything. Everything is from you, God. The whole earth was Hashem's. He created it and he gave it to who he saw fit. In other words, the fact that there were some things that before we inter interacted with them, before we engaged in them, they weren't holy. They, so to speak, belonged to the nations of the world, in other words, to the mundaneness, to the genericness of unholiness. Uh, that's because he decided he wants some things to be markedly and decidedly and objectively holy, and some things he's giving over to the mundaneness. This happened with the with the sin of the tree of knowledge that the world was plunged and divided into various parts. The holiness remained holy, and then you had unholiness. However, why does Hashem do it? Because he he gives it to others because he wants to give it later to his people. Hashem wants that we should conquer it, just like he didn't give us Israel on a golden platter. He wanted us to conquer it. He wants us to go and rein in and engage and conquer and absorb these other things into the realm of holiness. And we're transforming the world into the way it was, pre-sin. Pre-sin, every aspect of the world was well-established in the hierarchy of being in the right place, right time, doing the right thing. The sin created havoc, and now you have some things that are good, some things that need to be rectified. We're in the business of rectification. We're the Jewish fixer team. And this is also what it means when it says the Torah didn't have to start anywhere except from the first mitzvah of this is the new month. In other words, Torah is higher than creation. <laughs> really, Torah is higher then even the rectification, the transformation of the world, the conquering of the world, and the way it is simply by the person who's doing this work, when a learn person learns Torah, does a mitzvah, 
And when he's involved and engaged in a holy matter, it's higher than being in the mundane world. However, when he gets involved in the generic and mundane things of the world, even when he does it for the sake of heaven, but they still remain generic things in some way. And when he, even when he eat the food for the energy to study the shear, the pizza remains deliciously pizza. And really what's pulling you to that pizza is not just because, oh, I'm going to be eating the pizza, but by the way, in case somebody watches it years later, this is a shear being given together with, preceded by a dinner of pizza. So that's why I keep referring to the pizza. But um, this is a historical note in case... In, 30 years from now, somebody stumbles upon this. They'll say, it's the pizza business. Where is it? Where does Rashi speak about the pizza? But I'll call upon him. So, but these are things that didn't, it didn't, wasn't transformed to holiness. The pizza remained pizza. Even when you're eating it for the service of Hashem, there's part of you which wants it just because, just like any human body wants that, that food, that, especially if it's delicious food. Now, however, according to this, the question becomes even bigger. Why did the Torah start with Bereshus? If you want to look at the hierarchy, the Torah should be teaching you. Shouldn't the Torah be teaching you, first of all, study Torah, do mitzvahs. First of all, the Holy Land. And then speak about the fact that there's other lands. If the conquering, if the engaging in mundane things is, is, is lower in the totem pole, in the hierarchy of connection to Hashem, than, than studying Torah mitzvahs, so why doesn't the Torah start with the first mitzvah? This now becomes a, a different kind of question. It's not that historically it came first. That's why when you asked a simple question, you had a question. Maybe Hashem just wants to start from the beginning of the story. And that's creation. Here we're saying, if we go into the spiritual level, and we're saying Hashem's telling us what we should be doing, how we can engage in the world and take the other, take the, the land that seems to be mundane and turn it into holiness. Why don't we start at what's really the top of the, of the game, which is the mitzvahs. And then speak how even in the time we're not doing mitzvahs and we're engaging in regular life, those two can be elevated and become the holy land. So, so why doesn't he why doesn't he start that way? Paragraph four. So one of the explanations we can say, even though, and this is a, a, a this turns our life, this turns our lives into one big um, beautiful engagement with Hashem, everything that we do. Because what I was gonna say is like this: even though the conquering service. In other words, the refinement of this world, the, the things that aren't automatically holy, even though it, in the hierarchy of holiness, it's less holy than engaging directly in mitzvahs and in Torah. However, in terms of Hashem's intention for the creation of the world, which we know the intention is Hashem desire to have a place of dwelling in the lower worlds, and the lower world means, as the Al-Tarebbe says very clearly in Tanya, a world from which there is no lower world in it. Where can you fulfill Hashem's ultimate intention of transformation of the world that is the lowest of worlds? It's not going to be through learning Torah and doing mitzvahs per se. The real deep, deep, dark and, and, uh, and, 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 and far Part of the world is in the mundane things, where the things that aren't Torah mitzvahs. Ah, when you engage in those things, hierarchically, you're not more holy, but in terms of fulfilling Hashem's ultimate intention, you've achieved more. So, 
We talk about the service of Hashem in terms of the human experience when we're refining these things that are not automatically holy. We need to dig deeper within ourselves than we do with learning Torah and doing mitzvahs. In other words, when we're in the automatic environment, he calls it the Dalit Amas, the four cubits of Kedusha, it's easier. Many people feel it easier to feel a connection to Hashem when they come to Shul Tadavan or when they're involved in actual study of Torah. But when you're out there in the marketplace, at that time to do things for a heavenly sake, or even more than that, that your actions should be godly by, by, by nature, you need to really be strong. If you need such a deep connection to Hashem, which cannot be weakened, such a deep connection that, that's going to withstand the attempts to schlep you away from connection to Hashem. And that's why, so it's a, it's a, in other words, he's saying, it's a, it's a, it's a lower kind of engagement because you're further away from direct holiness, but it's closer to Hashem's, it's a bigger fulfillment of Hashem's true intention. And it requires a deep, deeping, a digging deeper into your connection with Hashem to maintain that connection, even against the onslaught of negativity that threatens to tear you away from your connectivity to Hashem. And that's why the Torah starts with this story, because the Torah is giving you the intention of Hashem, the end game of Hashem, that it's all about the lowest of the worlds, that there's nothing lower from it. You know how you deal with it? The way you're going to do it is through Bereshis Bara, through the creation that Hashem created. Let's see if we can fine-tune this going on. I think we have a fine-tune this. Paragraph 5. This explanation is not enough. Why? Because from the fact that the statement of Rabbi Yitzchak is, and why, I'm quoting the statement there, paraphrasing the statement. Matam, for what reason did the Torah start with beginning? For if the nations of the world will say, and so on. So it sounds like if the Torah wouldn't begin with Bereshis, even if it would, the story of creation would say later, there would still be some kind of a claim that you guys are robbers. Why? If the whole reason, if we just explain that the reason the Torah started with Bereshis is not to say that the claim you are robbers is is wrong, but to say, yes, we are in a way robbing, but that's the intention. Shem wanted us to, a little bit touching on what you said, Hashem wanted us to need to be a little bit cunning, to take back what originally was part of the Garden of Eden before the sin, but then when everything got mixed, when the sin happened, we now need to reclaim it. Why? How does the opening up with Bereshis, in other words, telling us that this, this refining, this capturing game is more important even, or deeper, closer to Hashem's end game of a dwelling place, lower world. Why is why is it important for that to to preface the story of creation? So we'll understand it by understanding. There's two kinds. There's two kinds of mundane things in this world. In other words, there's two kinds of things that are not holy. First thing is mundane, generic. Let's call it gray. It depends how you use it. Pizza. Kosher pizza 
is generic. It can be used for Hashem. You can take the energy and use it to study and to do mitzvahs. You could uh, eat it. You know, eating is, is is serving Hashem. If you feel that I, I I need to feed my body to serve Hashem, and you eat it in that way, so it's being elevated to its godly purpose. On the and obviously studying Torah and doing mitzvahs, those are obviously in the top realm of. They're not even generic. They're holy. Then there's a whole other part of creation, which is the underworld. <laughs> the underworld. The forbidden things, which their vitality is from the three klipas atameas, from the three unholy husks. It's a language of Kabbalah. You know, there's fruit and husks and, and, and peels. The peels are not to be eaten, they're to be discarded. Peels are fruit. Husks, the husk of the on top of the wheat. That is a that, that represents the negativity that surrounds things in the world. In other words, Hashem creates it, but he wants it to be discarded. When something is forbidden, it's not to be engaged with, it's to be discarded. That piece of bacon for a Jew is not say it's 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 husks, it's peel, it's something you have to peel away and only eat kosher things. So those things that don't have any, and there's no good in them. However, Hashem creates them, so there must be a spark of God in them, right? Can't have anything that's not related to holiness. Non-holiness by definition doesn't have any standing. Everything needs a spark of God to be in existence. However, that spark is so hidden that only sometimes can you elevate that spark. For example, what happens if one drop of non-kosher falls into more than 60 times of kosher? What happens is it becomes assimilated to the point where that unkosher thing, although it added to the volume of, of this concoction, it has, so to speak, lost its identity of unkosher and it's become blended in and assimilated into the kosher mixture and become kosher. Yeah. Sometimes we have that experience with in, in, in life was doinus. The um, sins can be turned into mitzvahs. Through doing teshuva, coming back to Hashem from love. Or However, generally speaking, in other words, what happens is if you come back to teshuva with a fiery love, you know what we know what that means. When does a person get fiery and inspired to Hashem? Very often, the only way to that fiery love is through interaction with wrong, and then you feel so bad, so much regret about what you did bad that you have this intense love to God which you wouldn't have had if you didn't do the bad thing. So if you generate this intense love, if this bad thing you did, this negative sin you did, generated your intense love to God, it means it becomes grandfathered in, becomes part of that love, becomes part of your zechuyas. In, in some ways, you can sometimes capture a sin, but, but you, can't, you can't plan that. 
<laughs> Somebody says, I, I, I love the passion I see with the people that sin. I'm going to jump into a sin. I want that passion. You're going to get stuck there. You're not allowed to do that. If somebody wakes up and says, oh, Yimei, what did I do? Now he takes that experience and turns it into a doom. That becomes, but generally speaking, the negativity in forbidden things can't be refined. And that's why they're called forbidden things. Don't engage with it because you're not going to be able to elevate. It's going to pull you down. So according to we can say like this. The main claim that the world has on using physicality and saying you're thieves, you're not supposed to be using this, is about these things that really you shouldn't be using. In other words, the claim, list them out them, you're stealing. It's a true claim. You shouldn't be eating that bacon. Thief. You're right. You come to the Jewish guys, you know what, you're right. I wasn't supposed to eat it. Really, I'm supposed to stay away from that. And that's why, if it would have said voracious, listen here. If it would have told the story of creation after the first mitzvah, and really, the Torah shouldn't have said the first the story of creation till he first said the first mitzvah, Torah would say that really, first... I want to tell you about mitzvahs. That's the only way. And then I'll tell you about creation of heaven and earth. In other words, the only way to get to refinement is by following the path of the Torah. Follow the path of the Torah, you're going to be able to elevate pizza. But not, not that other stuff, not that bacon that's not elevatable. Remember, the whole story of creation is told after the instruction about the mitzvahs. Anything that's not in the realm of Torah, you're thieves. You're not allowed to go take that. However, now the Torah opened up with Bereshis. Now there's no claim. Listen to this. Paragraph 6. Even though that from the perspective of Torah, if you ask Mr. Torah, hey, can I take this forbidden thing and elevate it? Say, no way. But if you ask Hashem, Oy vey, Hashem, I woke up and I did this forbidden thing. What am I going to do? Go to the Torah. You know what the Torah says? Sorry. The Torah says, sorry. What am I going to tell you? The Torah says, uh, you're going to have to bring a carbon. You're going to have to try and do stuff. You know what Hashem says? Do Teshuvah. Come back. How can Hashem say that? I just did something wrong. I messed up. How can I rewrite it? You know why? Remember, Hashem taught us about creation in the very beginning. He says, everything's for me. Even the forbidden things. They also come from holiness. And even in this, Hashem is the owner of those forbidden things. And since Hashem's essence is higher than the, per, the, the perimeters and the uh, and the gedorim, um, higher than the uh, boundaries and definitions of revelation and concealment, so also these sparks of holiness where you can't see the spark of God because they're forbidden. They're just covered over all the way. They're also part of him. And that's where we have the power of Teshuvah to also elevate those lands. In other words, a phenomenal thing. Forbidden and non-forbidden is Hashem, the way he expresses himself in the Torah. Hashem's essence is higher than any definition. Shem created everything. Shem created the forbidden things also. 
He told us not to engage in them. But if we find that we did, you say, I'm lost. The, the world comes and says, you've stolen that. You've stolen that forbidden thing. You've ingested it. You've stolen it. Give it back. You can never make anything good out of it. You say, no, no, no. Hashem says, it's mine. If I ask, you ask in advance, I say, no way. But now that you've done it, it's part of you. You're not a thief. You're going to elevate that as well. But the Torah, who tells us about this? Our mode of communication comes from the Torah. So since the Torah is what illuminates our life and our path, so the revelation of all holiness comes from Torah. Even things that are higher than Torah, which is Hashem, also gets told to us via the Torah. So Torah itself explains to us about the process of tshuva. In other words, if you ask Torah as it is in its own personal beliefs, so to speak, say, sorry, there's something that can never get erased if you did a sin. But when you ask Hashem, you ask Torah, but what does Hashem say? You're, I said, I'll tell you the truth. Hashem says, even if you did a sin, due to Shuvah, sin comes from me too. What you did wrong is not, doesn't. there's no other side, there's no Satan, and he's in charge of that stuff and you stole from him. No, no, no. It's from me too. And you can take it if you did it already. Remember, now you're in that state. Hashem says, come back. Bring it with you. And about that kind of, and that's why this will be the difference between the two versions of this saying. Uh, why does he write about creation at all? Ask them to be a little bit. Uh, the difference between asking, why did he write about the first about the about creation? Or why did he start with creation? To tell us that we're able to, um, to tell us that we're able to refine the the um, the uh, permissible things. It's enough to say that the Torah writes about creation. The fact that the Torah writes about creation tells us that all of the mundane things, everything belongs to Hashem. Everything's there for to be elevated. Because even though. That also, when we just, when we remember, most of us aren't planning to engage in forbidden things. But even when we engage in germane, mundane, generic things, that service is also, in a way, more fulfilling of Hashem's plan to make a dwelling place in the world than pure Torah mitzvahs. Even our engagement in mundane, permissible things of daily life, doing them for the right reason is in a sense more a fulfillment of Hashem's plan of turning this lower world into a dwelling place for Him more than even directly studying Torah mitzvahs. Torah, uh, studying Torah and doing mitzvahs. Which means to say, let's say a guy in the yeshiva who's studying full-time, he's doing holy things, but the guy who's out there in the workplace and engaged in commerce, and he's davening in the morning, he's got his classes to learn, he's, he's a religious Jew. But but time-wise, most of the time he's out there in commerce, for example, out there in the world, you think he's less holy? No. Yes, hierarchically, he's engaged in less holiness, but in terms of being Hashem's commando and doing Hashem's, transforming Hashem's world, he's transforming Hashem's world more. 
by the way, that's not relevant to here, but that's why when we have the tribes, Zavulun comes before Yisachar, in a way. Zavulun is higher. Zavulun is the one who, there's the seaman, the merchant, Yisachar is the studier. There's something, Hapami is Beleni, not that he comes before. It says Hapami, the, the dwelling place for Hashem gets more expressed in the commerce person, in the, in the sea merchant. Okay, and that's why it comes together. More temptation needs requires deeper, deeper conviction, and it's and it's and it's a bigger, it's a bigger uh, deal. You're, you're not doing Torah mitzvahs is is is, is also temptation. It's also not, not easy, but you haven't changed, you haven't transformed the mundanity of the world as you are when you're out there in the in the world that's not holy. However, when we talk about the fact when we talk about transforming <laughs> forbidden things, that's um, that's not according to the advised order. The doctor doesn't advise that kind of work, transforming forbidden things. You're not supposed to deal with forbidden things. Contrary, if somebody says, I want to do a sin so I can have this real fiery return, you say, Hashem's not going to, you're not allowed to do that. You're actually doing a bigger sin. Because you can't, you can't, you can't lead yourself into a forbidden thing. So, because of this aspect of, of of conquering the seven nations, and telling us that even the forbidden things, if they're engaged in, in the end of the day, we bring them up to holiness. The Torah had to start with a place that's higher than Torah. It didn't start with the giving of the Torah. First started with creation, which is Hashem's statement, Hashem's opening statement to the world. And that, when you reach out in Teshuvah to, to Hashem Himself, He says, don't tell me that the forbidden thing you ate is stolen and you can never do anything with it. It's not. It's mine too. I got news for you. I chose to make it forbidden, but now that you've engaged in it and you're at the, and you're at the stage where you're, you're looking to do what to do, it's your land as well. Paragraph 7. And this is also what Rabbi Yitzchak says. Why did it open with Bereshus? Because Hashem wanted to tell the power of his deeds to his people to give them the inheritance of the nation. To his people is drawn down. The word Higid can also be drawn down. And he gave over, Hashem gave over them this Koyach. Hashem wanted to give them the Koyach and the spark, the godly spark, which is in all of his handiwork. Because since Yisrael, since Yisrael and Hashem are all one, which is even higher than the connection of Hashem and His Torah, as we know, it says Yisrael come before Torah. That's why Yidden have the Koyach of Hashem, which is higher than Torah, to be able to do tshuva. And teshuva reaches higher than Torah because Teshuva can transform the sins to mitzvahs. However, since the order, the way things are supposed to be, is in an order of doing the right thing, so Teshuva is also like that. First, Teshuva, the first stage of Teshuva is feeling you have to remove yourself, tear yourself away from the bad. So what do you feel? You feel that it's like, like, like you were engaged in a stolen matter. In other words, you feel, look, I did something 
that thing that I was engaged in is bad. I have to fight myself to stay away from it. If I engaged in it and I took it with me, I shouldn't have engaged in it. I, I wasn't supposed to be in that experience. It was like me stealing. Afterwards, however, when you come to the higher level and you come back to Hashem and that becomes part of the trajectory about your elevation, now what you're really doing is bringing back that you're bringing yourself back to your source. So now you're actually understanding how what you took and you are refining for the side of Kedusha, for the side of holiness, really belongs to Hashem in the first place. At the beginning of the engagement with Teshuvah, you have to, you feel it's, it was bad. This is not from Hashem. Hashem said not to do this. And so the fact that I engaged with it and I took it with me, I stole it from the other side, from the unholiness. But once a person gets a high level and he makes this part of his journey, and now he connects to Hashem and he really feels, one second, this was really from the first place, something that Hashem sent down in a convoluted way and he gave it to the unholiness for a while. But really, it was intended for me. And now I'm bringing it back. And the whole descent of all these sparks was really, in the end, just for the ascent. What we call a destruction, not destruction, but a demolition in order to build. The purpose of the forbidden things and the descent of the world into unholy places is that the Jew should bring it back to its source. And by this, the Jew will have the advantage of teshuva, of coming back. And what it says about teshuva, then the place where returnees, people that come back from negativity stand, even the highest saintly people don't stand because they haven't engaged there and, and, and come back. That's why it says when Mashiach comes that Sadiqim will also have to go through the process of Teshuvah. As we say that there's a, a, an injunction and a saying that a person should be all his days in Teshuvah. Um, in other words, I'm not sure what you're saying in the last paragraph. Exactly. Anyway, the point Point being, of the sikha is gives us the uh, the uh, incredibly inspirational look at everything that we do. First of all, we we're we're here to transform Hashem's world into a world of holiness, and we do that mostly in the realm of the mundane, which most of us by default are involved in: eating, sleeping, commerce, chatting, whatever it is. We do it in a way that's that's directed towards Hashem. So we're not stealing. We're not we're not engaged in 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 in, in uh, uh, mundaneness, which belongs to mundaneness, and we're kind of taking a captive to holiness. It's intended in the first place to be elevated to holiness, and even that dark world of forbidden things, which seems to be that we we engaged in it, we weren't supposed to. So really, we were thieving. We were taking from the other side. No, no, no. When we bring it back, when we when we uncover the true meaning of that experience, that we engage in negativity unintentionally to, to elevate ourselves, because and, and and in a way we were stealing, but it comes out that Hashem tells us, no, I intended that. And this is part of your trajectory, part of your track to get closer to Hashem. Uh,